welcome to Bizarre Conspiracies. My name's Conrad Toll, and today, with me as always, is the founder and editor and producer of Bizarre Conspiracies, Eric Patino. Yep, I'm here. And today we'll be discussing my top 10 false flag attacks from history. And I picked these in order of significance from my perspective as a U.S. citizen. So my number one may not be the same as somebody else's number one. So now, Eric, you were telling me beforehand that you could not think of a single incident, a false flag attack. Yeah, I don't know. One doesn't come to mind. Yeah, well, this is uh, not too awfully surprising because, I mean, they're supposed to be secretive. That's the whole idea behind a false flag attack is they seem justified. They seem like everything's on the up and up, which is, you know, the whole point. Coming in at number 10, the Italian gladius. It's the Italian word for sword. What it was is back at the end of World War II, the CIA put together a resistance group against the rise of communism in Western Europe. So in each of the different countries, they put together little cells where they trained them on counter-communism and how to fight off the waves of influence of communism that was sweeping Europe. Because you've got to remember, this is the time of the Iron Curtain, where all of Eastern Europe was held under the control of the Soviet Union. So, but at that time, they were thinking, well, this could spread and, you know, perhaps take over the whole world. And so they were putting down seeds of rebellion. And as a last-ditch effort, the CIA had hidden hundreds of little caches of weapons across Italy. And they had given access of, of these to, to these um, designated resistance members in case Italy was to become a communist nation. Well, this group, whether this is what the CIA intended or not, that I don't know. But the group became a very violent group <laughs> where they took those weapons of supposed last resort, whether or not they were actually last resort, and they started this campaign of terror where they would pretend to be communists and they would do things like bombings and assassinations and shootings and that sort of thing in the name of communism in attempt to create a political uprising against any communist movement in Italy. So I wasn't going to cover all of them because there's so many, but just to give you a taste of one of them, on December 12th, 1996, there was a bomb that exploded in Pisa Fontana with some sort of a, a market of some kind where, you know, business people would come together and put together their business ideas and try and show what they were hoping to accomplish with their business in the future. Some sort of a meet and greet of some kind. And it killed 17 people and wounded several others. 88, to be exact. So, how the exact thing, all the members that were involved, are not entirely known. However, the 
Gladius group, they were planning these uh, destabilizing events, trying to create a state of emergency to be called to give power to the government, to central government, so the central government could have that power to do other things besides investigate a bombing. So, you know, the bombing would happen. There would be called a state of emergency. The extra powers would be given to the central government. They would be able to come in and then investigate, quote unquote, this bombing, while also having the ability to crack down on other things in the region. So that's just one little thing out of this multiple thing. If you want to know more, there was a, a really good documentary, the BBC. Okay, yeah, the BBC did a special on it, if you're interested. And so you just look up the, the BBC special on uh, Gladius. So number nine, Turkey's massacre known as pogrom okay another word which i can't pronounce but it means a massacre in eastern europe this one happened in turkey in istanbul where the turkish government wanted to take control over cyprus part of that was they decided that they were going to accomplish that by stirring up anti-greek sediment inside of Turkey, and the whole convolution behind it is beyond the scope of the story, because this is a top 10 list. I got to get through it. <laughs> but what happened was, is they set off a bomb inside of their own customs house in, in Istanbul, and they blamed the Greeks minorities there, and it began a full-scale massacre of all ethnic Greeks across Turkey. And it was a terrible thing. And I think thousands of Greeks were affected by this. It, the total economic damage alone was well into the hundreds of millions. They estimate the damage is somewhere between 300 to 500 million dollars of damage that was done in, you know, things like window smashing, house burning, and that sort of thing. The actual number of people that were killed is unknown. But this happened uh, the 5th of September, 1995. That is when the bombing happened. And then the murders began the next day. But that one, it was the Turkish government blaming Greeks inside of Turkey for the bombing, which the Turkish government did. That's number nine. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Now, number eight here is going to be a little contentious. It's the sinking of the main. So. Sinking of the main? Yeah, USS Maine, a battleship that sunk in Havana Harbor at the beginning of the Spanish-American War. So, it is unknown exactly what caused the explosion. The U.S. government at the beginning of the war said that it was Spanish who put a limpet mine on the battleship while it was sitting in the harbor in Cuba and sank it and... The Spanish said it was either an accident, or some would even say it was a U.S. false flag attack where the U.S. sank their own battleship in Havana Harbor in order for them to have justification to invade Cuba and the Philippines. Which I believe they did. it. <laughs> now, there's been a lot of investigations that have happened throughout the years over the actual cause of the sinking of the Maine. Whether it was self-sabotage or enemy sabotage is not 100% agreed upon. In fact, most of the 
analysts say that a good probability is it was the the coal inside of the ship which caused a fire inside of the main magazine which was right next to the front boiler which caused the front magazine to explode which sank the ship it is known that the front magazine did explode however that could have also been a mine or it could have been an internal fire either or could have sank it but i do not think that it was intentional and here's the reason spain was in no position to go to war with the u.s so they would have absolutely no reason to sink that ship they knew at the outset of the war that they were going to lose the war the spanish strategy from the start of the spanish-american war was to not lose terribly everything that they were doing was under the idea that they were going to lose but it was how do we mitigate losses the best that we can and they did not do very well at that and the spanish-american war was very one-sided so it is obvious that there is no reason that the spanish military would have wanted to start a war with the u.s so that's why i think it's unlikely of the mine story the accident story maybe and then of course there is the u.s sinking their own battleship however as far as i know if we did sink our own battleship by we i mean americans because uh, both eric and i are americans <laughs> if we sank our own battleship we are oh well, i am <laughs> <That's> a joke <laughs> um if if it is the case that the americans did sink their own battleship we no longer remember it because admiral rickover started his own investigation of the sinking of the main just in uh, 1970s i believe and even he was clueless on how it happened so i mean there's a good chance that if we did it we don't remember that we did it anymore so the secret may go unclaimed but i do not think it was a spanish who sank it so therefore the cause of the war is incorrect which brings up the other question would that have an incident of a ship blowing up in some foreign harbor start a war with Spain today? Like, say, there was an American ship sitting in a harbor in Spain, and it exploded, and it was assumed that the Spanish government had, started, had blown up that ship. Would the U.S. go to war with Spain today? Probably not. It just would not make sense. Yeah, so, I don't think they would either. There would be a lot of condemnation. There would be a lot of, well, you better pay us money or we're going to sanction you. And then, you know, there'd be sanctions and all that. But there wouldn't be a war. So even if it was an accident or a poor design, I do believe that the U.S. was looking for a little bit of a chance to take Cuba and the Philippines. So as the saying goes, never let a tragedy go unused. So was an accident then i do believe that going to war and taking spain's colonies overseas may have been a little bit of an overreaction all right all righty number seven the second chechen war so for those who don't know russia has this little bitty province over there by georgia the state not not the u.s state but the it's over there between the Caspian Sea and the Black Sea of Russia. And this place, Chechnya, is a majority Islamic ethnicity. And they were originally part of the Soviet Union. 
And ever since the fall of the Soviet Union, they were independent, but then the Russians tried to take over in the first Chechen war and they did not succeed. And then they ended up withdrawing. And then the Russians were trying to draw Chechnya back into their fold ever since. And they were looking for an excuse to go to war. And so there was a lot of civil unrest. Maybe that's a poor way of saying it, but there was a, a lot of war going on internally in Chechnya at the time. And there was a lot of local warlords who had their own crime groups. And it was not a very nice place at between the First and Second Chechen War. It was very unstable. Um, but it is a known fact that the start of the Chechen War was caused by... Well, not, one of the major steps was this Russian false flag where the Russian government planted bombs in apartment buildings in Russia and blew them up and then blamed them on Russia. In fact, the Russian Duma political party, which is currently the political party that's in power and they've been in power ever since, sealed all material relating to the investigation of the bombings. And they said that it was the work of the... Dagestan, Dagestan Independence, Independence uh, People's Army of Dagestan, or something like that, which is a group that doesn't exist. Dagestan, which is a part of Chechnya, does exist, but the People's Army, or whatever they called it, of Dagestan does not. So it was very clearly a or invented group that the uh, Russians were pinning this on. The bombings themselves were uh, made out of an explosive that is RxD, I believe. It's a very hard explosive to make, and there was only one place in Russia that made it. And there's no way that somebody could steal RDX from, or in the quantity to blow up as many apartments as that were blown up. It would be impossible for that to have gone unnoticed. So it's obvious that whoever had those explosives were government funded so that would be number seven the uh, russian justification for invading chechnya in the second chechen war where they did conquer all of chechnya which as of this recording in 2023 chechnya is still part of russia so number six the american mexican war so back in the day mexico used to be much larger it had the Large swaths of territory, which I only know as the um, Mexican Secession, which was this territory that stretched from the Oregon Territories, which was and everywhere south of the, the Oregon Territories down to Texas. So everything west of the Rio Grande, because if you look at the Rio Grande, it, longs, it runs along the Texas border till it reaches El Paso, and then it goes north through New Mexico and up a bit north. So everything west of the Rio Grande and south of Oregon, down to the Mexican border, was the Mexican secession territory, which is what the U.S. was wanting to take from Mexico. It was a mostly unsettled area, and it's still mostly unsettled today. There's not a lot of people that live out there. It is a very barren and desolate area. However, back in the day, it was even more barren. There was even less people. So... The Americans offered to buy this area from Mexico for $30 million, and that was extremely low even for back in the day for that area, and they were rejected. Then the U.S. annexed Texas, the Texas Republic, into the U.S. at that time, 
and the Texas border along the Pecos Valley was still in dispute because even though it had been signed over to Texas when Texas won the Tex War of Texas Independence, the Mexicans did not recognize it because Santa Ana had been forced to sign a decree and the decree would be for recognizing Texas independence from Mexico. But he had been forced to sign that because he had been captured in a battle at the end of the Texas War of Independence. So the Mexicans said that it doesn't count because he was under duress. But then the point of the fact is, anyway, it's kind of a messy thing. But the main point is the Mexicans did not respect the Texas border where exactly it started and where exactly it ended. And the Americans wanted a war with Mexico to go and capture this. And this is given evidence because the president at the time was, before this incident, was writing up a letter of war to go to war with Mexico to send to Congress before he even heard of the attack that happened along the Texas-American border. He had sent Zachary Taylor, I believe, who was a general at the time. Zachary Taylor went on to become a president. And he had been sent down to Texas to enforce the new border and there had been a border clash where some Americans had been killed and when president of the United States at the time got word of this he was currently in the middle of writing a letter to Congress asking to go to war on other pretexts but then upon hearing this he rewrote the letter to include this fact when he asked for war so this tack is not necessarily a false flag attack except in the fact that it is deception it was not really the cause for the war. It was just a convenient happenstance, which is why I have it ranked as number six and not number three. But yeah, that is how the American-Mexican War started, was mostly just a disagreement and not necessarily over this particular fight, even though that is what you'll find in the history books. Number five, the Gulf Tonkin Incident. Now, have you heard of this one, Eric? No, I don't think I have. Okay, well, this one you should know about. This is the start of the Vietnam War. So, in the beginning of the Vietnam War, there was tensions between North and South Vietnam because North and South Vietnam had been made, created, kind of like how there was North and South Korea today. They decided they were going to use the same formula because it worked so well in Korea. They decided we should do this in Vietnam. So there was North and South Korea and there was a lot of tension there. And to kick off this tension, the, I mean, there was already the start of the war, but there was what started it was there was two supposed fights that happened in July of 1964. There was this North Vietnam boat, the patrol boat that came in contact with some U.S patrol ships in the area and they kind of had this little scuffle and uh, they started firing off warning shots and then the warning shots were confused with real shots and um so this north vietnam boat was getting shot at this these warning shots decided oh they mean it for real launched torpedoes the uh, u.s and then the u.s boat evaded the torpedoes and they kind of split and went their own way at, at the time. Some claim that the North Vietnamese boat was sunk. Well, then it got to getting this reported inside of the media, and it was well overblown. It was reported that the North Korean boat had fired first, when technically it fired second when it was responding to warning shots. 
And then there was this whole thing. It was made up about the incident that happened two days later, where supposedly a whole swath of North Vietnamese torpedo boats came out to attack the same U.S. group. And they were all supposedly sunk, even though the reliability of the stories that there even were North Vietnamese torpedo boats in the area that night is heavily debated. So the issue itself was kind of a small, minor footnote in history. The thing that makes it a false flag attack is how it was handled in the media. It was blown way out of proportion and misrepresented. That is how we ended up in the Vietnam War. So there's that one. Number four would be the Finnish-Russian War, or as it's also known, the uh, Winter War, the first Winter War. So that's when the Soviets invaded Finland back in uh, the beginning of World War II and trying to strategically advance their territory to put a buffer zone between uh, Leningrad which is modern-day St. Petersburg, and put a buffer zone between them and the Finnish. Anyway, the Russians, in order to invade Finland at this time, decided what they were going to do was create a false flag attack where they shelled one of their own outposts and killed, like, eight of their soldiers or something along the border. This is definitely a false flag attack because the Finnish were under no impression that they were vast inferior to the Soviet military. So they were trying to do everything within their power at the time to appease the Russians to keep them from going to war. They were even entering into deals with the Russians at the time, agreeing to give up some of their territory in the contested zone just so they wouldn't be invaded at the time. And mm. negotiations around that broke down. I mean, they were they were making negotiations to give up their territory. That is insane amounts of appeasement and the Finnish were going to do it and they knew that they were militarily unprepared for a invasion and even when the invasion happened they still did not do perfect defense their army was like two weeks from the point of collapse when peace was called just like a month into the war two months into the war it was a very short war Anyway, the Finnish really did not want this war. And the idea that they would shell this Russian outpost, which was very clearly in Russian territory, is absurd. It's just as absurd as to say that the Spanish were mining the main in that harbor in Cuba. Both sides knew that they were wildly, wildly outmatched. So there's no way that they would be making these attacks. Anyway, so... That's number four. Uh, number three was also in World War II. The Japanese, when they were invading Manchuria, which was not technically part of what we would consider the China that they invaded during World War II, but it was a different part. Manchuria, though. Uh, when the Japanese invaded Manchuria, it's well known that they blew up a railroad near to uh, the Manchuria line, which was what they used as justification to start a war and invade Manchuria. It was... Like the smallest of offenses. It didn't even break the railroad track. Like the railroad was running in two days later. I mean, take into consideration that in uh, the Russian-Ukraine war, when the uh, Courage Bridge got hit, the railroad bridge, it's been out of action for almost, almost eight months now. 
This train was up and running like the two days later. It's like a very minor offense. Nobody was killed in this very small event. And that's what they used to start their invasion of Manchuria. And then later it then spread to China. It very obviously was a uh, false flag attack. Number two, also World War II. This is what is technically the start of World War II by most people's metric. The German invasion of Poland. Because that is when... England and France and the other bits of the coalition first declared war on Germany was because of the invasion into Poland. Now, a lot of other people have different points for when they call the start of World War II, but this is generally the point that most people point to the fall of 1939. Later on, during the, um, the investigations, the Nuremberg trials, there was a particular German soldier by the name of Alfred Najak. So he was an SS soldier, and he confessed to being given the order to stage the false flag attack in Poland, which started World War II. So what they did, they took a bunch of Polish people from their concentration camps, which had already started at the point, which were unknown at the time internationally, but they took some of them, put them in Polish, captured Polish uniforms, and then staged a attack on one of their own border areas where they uh, then shot these former concentration camp members who were dressed up as Polish guards and left them at this shack, which they invaded on their own territory to leave what looked like dead Polish soldiers in German territory after this gunfight to make it look like the Polish had attacked, which was then the one of the justifications that the Germans used to invade Poland along with uh, Russia. Uh, I mean, it's very clearly a false flag attack because Germany already had a military pact with Russia at the time to both invade Poland at the same time. So they had already gone through the political negotiations with Russia to invade Poland together before this false flag attack. So that's, you know, pretty obvious. This Nazi guy went to jail for some time after for his work in World War II. After he got out, he then wrote a book called I Am the Man Who Started the War, where he then goes into detail on how he started World War II. And number one. The invasion of Iraq. Now, I put this one as number one because I'm an American and I would rank this as most important to me. So I know that some other people would not put this as number one, but it is number one for me. There's many different things you can point to that could show that the U.S. invasion of Iraq was not a legitimate reason. There's a lot of evidence that Saddam Hussein did not have weapons of mass destruction. He was not building a nuclear program and that sort of thing, which was the, the main justification for um, the invasion. It's known that he was not connected to Al-Qaeda. In fact, he did not get along with Al-Qaeda. Osama bin Laden, who was the leader of Al-Qaeda, actually did not like Saddam Hussein and thought that Saddam Hussein was evil. This one point that I ran across that I just would throw out there is there was a forgery of a letter from Saddam Hussein to Niger, this the country of Niger, saying that Saddam Hussein wanted to buy uranium cake, which would then be used to be turned into a nuclear bomb. So it turns out that um, it was actually a forgery from a, an Italian spy who was reporting it to French intelligence. It's kind of a convoluted story. But this 
piece of paper was the basis for what Bush uh, said that the British government has learned that Saddam Hussein has recently sought significant quantities of uranium from Africa, which was is known as the 16 words controversy, which is specifically relating to this incident. But if you go in and you look at the origins of this report, there's a was an Italian spy who said that he got the letter from a lady who was a representative from Niger who gave him the letter which then he turned over to the French government which somehow ended up in the English intelligence and when they follow this paper trail back to him they've decided that he was the creator of it and it was a forgery so that one I put as number one I think a lot of people would agree that that invasion wasn't justified was it necessarily over oil or was it toppling Saddam Hussein was that the main goal don't know exactly what the main goal was, but it was not weapons of mass destruction. That was just a convenient excuse. Yeah, thanks for listening, and we will catch y'all in the next episode. <laughs>